Welcome to Cinema Spin once again. I'm Matt. I'm Jason. And we're doing a little uh, Oscar special. Slash. Special. Slash. Um, times the Oscars got it wrong. Little discussion here. But we're going to start right. out talking about uh, the current year's Oscars, which are Sunday night, right? Yeah. This coming Sunday night, the 25th. Did um, have you heard much about how the what the format of the show is going to be, or whether there's going to be audience in attendance or what? I have. Have you been paying attention to that? No. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, I, I didn't know if you were uh, uh, asking me just to inspire conversation, or if you had actually uh, been curious about it. No, I asked because, you because uh, I figured you'd know better than I did. <laughs> well, <laughs> actually, this is the most interesting part. Uh, this is the thing that I'm most curious about what's going you know, in terms of what's going to happen next Sunday, um, as we may touch on here in a little bit. Uh, I think most of the winners in the categories are pretty locked up. There might be a couple of surprises, but um, every, there are clear front runners in every every major category this year. So I doubt there's going to be a whole lot of uh, uh, surprises. But what is really interesting to me is that uh, they're making kind of a the you know Ampass is making kind of a big deal about uh, how uh, there's going to be a special approach to this show um, that nobody's really sure how it's going to work. Uh, so uh, anybody who's been following uh, the, the Oscars the last few years knows that there's been this kind of panic about how. Uh, precipitously every year the uh, uh, the, uh, the viewership of the ceremony is dropping and dropping. People, it, it's just becoming more and more or less, uh, uh, you know, actually watching the ceremonies become more and more kind of irrelevant because a lot of people sort of don't want to sit through, you know, all the, you know, four hours that it's become of just people thanking their agents and so on. And um, yeah, the, the uh, more they've... Just, Tempted to streamline it, the uh, it hasn't really stopped the uh, ratings from dropping. Right, 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 right. Um, so uh, this and and now, of course, we have uh, the COVID era, right? And the last few months of uh, of Oscar or of uh, uh, award shows, you know, like the Golden Globes and so on, have been just dreadful attempts to sort of. Uh, uh, to you know, to to work with people to allow people to sort of call in and 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 do uh, you know uh, Zoom acceptance speeches and everything have just led to I, I don't know if people have followed like the, what happened with the Golden Globes. It was total chaos. It was yeah, to be to be mess. kind, I'd say there's been varying degrees of success, but the Golden Globes were sort of a low point, and I think yeah, 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 and 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 uh, they were just the worst of what's generally uh, been just bad news people just don't know how to at the best of times people uh, uh, i think nobody is really sure how to sell award ceremonies you know especially live television anymore in an era where that's going you know more and more by the wayside with people cutting the cords and and uh things are just the prospects are just not looking good in terms of entertainment for uh for the uh, oscars uh this uh, uh this time around um, so what's happened is, uh, they have, uh, uh, Steven Soderbergh, the fa very famous, uh, director and, uh, and a team of, of a couple of his, uh, regular, uh, sort of collaborative, collaborative producers, um, have been, um, talking about in very general terms about how they're really, really approaching this totally differently from a total, from, and they have a real vision 
of presenting this not just as a traditional reward show, but as a, a kind of narrative that this was going to be, you know, uh, storytelling for two hours that, you know, they weren't going to have presenters. They were going to have, oh, oh, I don't know, like characters or something like that. The people who were presenting were going to be part of, of the sort of building uh, weird, uh, you know, some sort of building sense of, of, of narrative. And there was going to be an arc and there were going to be, you know, dramatic themes, right? And nobody has any idea what the hell this means. Um, uh, and it just sounds like, it sounds like an overpromise, no matter how you look at it. Well, what it sounds like, actually, what it sounds like is a promise of something that is going to be memorably uh, terrible, right? <laughs> I mean, sure. either this is all just hype, either this is all just sort of, uh, you know, it's just going to turn out to be uh, what we've seen before. Or maybe Soderbergh, who knows what he's going to do. Maybe he's really going to go for something sort of, uh, uh, you know, uh, out, you know, thinking outside the box. But uh, I think... Think? I mean, like the the cop rock of, uh, <laughs> of awards performance. <laughs> we don't want to like uh, invoke cop rock in vain, right? <laughs> but uh, whatever he has in mind, if he has anything in mind, it sounds like it uh, above all has the potential to be uh, really memorably uh, terrible, right? <laughs> and so, I more than anything, I'm curious about how that's going to play out. I'm curious about what exactly they have in mind here. Especially since uh, this is uh, one of the more, I think, uh, one, of, one of the the least or, or sort of most predictable Oscars in terms of who's going to win um, within the last uh, few years. It really seems like all of the major awards are kind of sewn up or have very, very clear front runners. There might be a couple of upsets here and there, of course, but... Um, by all indications, all the uh, all the traditional ways of prognosticating uh, what's going to happen um, have this uh, pretty much aimed at being sort of a coronation for uh, uh, for Nomadland. Um, yeah, or at one time I was worried about momentum maybe falling away from it. I think yeah, it's more, yeah. If, if anything else, it's it's galvanized a little bit. Uh, yeah, it's really gained uh, with Chloe Zhao winning uh, uh, the Directors Guild Award. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, I, I I don't see uh, I I don't see they're gonna I don't see there's gonna be much uh, uh, much that Nomadland isn't gonna win. In fact, that idea is gonna lead to my one my my more controversial uh, pick. I, I okay. th- I, my my controversial pick of the night is going to be that uh, Nomadland's last last minute momentum build is going to lead to Frances McDormand winning Best Actress again. Oh, okay, okay. So uh, there's a real possibility of that. I was I was sort of uh, combing through some uh, 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 some critics and sort of uh, not not insiders, but traditional sort of uh, you know uh, entertainment editors and so on, sort of prognosticating of what's going to happen uh, today. And uh, uh, and I I found them sort of interesting. Um, I think most of you know the. Uh, most of them are trying to be provocative kind of here and there, uh, sort of going with a long shot, but I think they're mostly going to be wrong. I think this is pretty much going to be by the numbers and the best way to look at this is just to, as it is most years, the best way to predict it is to look at the Vegas odds and, uh, uh, the Vegas odds, uh, definitely have strong opinions about, uh, all of the major categories. 
Um, so, uh, I mean, just to run down, I mean, uh, Nomadland, I think is a, is a lock for uh, best picture. I think it's a lock for best adapted, adapted screenplay. Yeah. Um, I feel like at, at this time, definitely. And cinematography as well. All of those, of course, you know, I'm in the bag for Nomadland. So, uh, all of those are definitely, uh, things I approve of. Um, I, uh, I think, uh, best act, uh, best actor is, you know, obviously, uh, uh, uh Chadwick Boseman for a variety of reasons. One of them is that he gave an absolutely great uh, performance. And another reason of course, is that he's the sentimental favorite. Um, I think he's, he's going to win. There's going to be no surprises there. Uh, there might be some, uh, there might be, I agree with you. There might be a little bit of a, a fight for, uh, uh, for best actress. Uh, I think Carrie Mulligan is still sort of the front runner but some uh a month ago i really i really felt that was the case i just think if anything you could feel momentum leave that picture a little bit um you know i wouldn't be surprised if she still won but i just that's that's my out on a limb i feel like that's my prediction where i feel like that uh yeah that that could fall to francis mcdormand or it could fall to viola davis but for some reason i feel like the uh the momentum there for like a sweep of the top prizes yeah. it's it's eligible for for no man land yeah um, I, I i i think if anything it might turn out to be uh uh carrie mulligan and viola davis might split the vote and then possibly um uh, uh Frances mcdormand might uh, uh might sneak in um but i really think it's still uh just despite like yeah what i agree is a bit of a lack of momentum on carrie mulligan's part and, and uh kind of push of momentum in uh in viola davis's uh direction uh viola davis won the uh uh the sag award right yes yes okay right so that clearly uh you know that that traditionally is a, a pretty good uh that at least indicates that she has some momentum so um, that could uh, turn out to be interesting, and there could be some surprises. Well, what's interesting, by in, in a normal year, you know, you'd have the SAG Award be much closer. The voting for the SAG Award take place much closer than the voting for the Oscar. Yeah. There was a, a much bigger gap between the two. Um, mm-hmm. So that leaves some time for some different momentums to build or, or fall, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, obviously, if the if the largest group of the, the Academy votes one week and the very next week they vote on the, the – SAG awards and then the then the Academy Awards, odds are that that, that blocks can vote for the same thing those two times. But well, exactly. Apart, but I a mean, month but, apart may change the change the dynamic a little bit. Right, and to be clear, the the reasons why uh, a lot of these earlier awards seem to be such good indicators of what the Oscars will be is because it's a lot of the same people voting. You know. Yeah, and generally, um, you know, most years. Um, or not this year, I guess. I guess we have to have to take that off. You know, most years in the in the major categories, there might be one one real surprise, and I guess yeah. that's still possible. But it does feel a little less likely this year. Yeah, and the, those are typically in the uh, 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 the supporting uh, actor awards, which uh, tend to be you know tend to pull off uh, kind of uh, some some late game uh, surprises once in a while. Um, I think. Uh, um, yeah, I, I doubt that. I doubt that happens here. Um, so uh, anyway, uh, with what I predict, uh, with what I think we both agree is going to be uh, probably a pretty surprise-free uh, 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 ceremony. Um, 
maybe possibly interesting because of whatever crazy sort of narrative vision uh, 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 Steven Soderbergh might have in mind. It'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. Uh, what we decided to do this week um, as a kind of tribute to the upcoming Oscars um, is to sort of avoid, you know, more or less avoid sort of just a boring old kind of uh, what, you know, what's going to win, what should win, and so on. And uh, so this week, uh, you and I uh, decided that we were going to make up a list of uh, some uh, cases where, uh, where we think Oscar got it wrong, right? Over the years, uh, the uh, Oscar, you know, uh, where, uh, the, the times that uh, really affected us or we think is uh, uh, really, uh, really a case where uh, uh, the Oscars did something uh, that uh, they should be sort of ashamed of and uh, they gave it to one movie or one actor. Uh, that yeah, and a lot of times these come down to pretty personal takes, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And mine, certainly, I went for, uh, uh, I, I, and I think we both did this, I think we tried to avoid uh, uh, a lot of the uh, the very famous. The super obvious, yeah. The super obvious ones, you know, I mean, we try to avoid, like, uh, you know, the famous sort of Spike Lee snub of do the right thing, right? And uh, I think we even uh, agreed that sort of mutually on our own arrived that, you know, crap. Uh, crash over uh, Brokeback Mountain is sort of a, a very obvious choice that comes up a lot. So yeah, that's uh, like considered one of the tentpole right. of oh, the Oscar, modern era. Oscar yeah, injustices. Yeah. yeah, one of the dis- <clears throat> more disgraceful uh, examples uh, of the last uh, thirty years or so. So anyway, so uh, tr- trying to go for uh, cases that are a little more uh, personalized. Uh, so let's get into. What we think, what what are our choices of uh, two or three of what we think are the uh, uh, are cases where the uh, Oscars uh, really got, got it, it wrong? Got it wrong. Yeah. You want to start? Yeah. Or you want me to start? Uh, you, you can go first. Go ahead. All right. Uh, the first one I got is uh, 1994 Best Actor. Uh-huh. Uh That award went to Tommy Lee Jones for The Fugitive, which is a role I like. <laughs> I think it's a perfectly fine role. But yeah. uh, personally, I give it to Ray Fiennes for uh, his role as Amon Gath in uh, Schindler's List. Uh, uh, I thought, best, that's Best Supporting Actor, right? Yes, I'm sorry. Yes, okay, yeah, okay. You are correct. I, 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 okay. I have written down here Best Supporting yes. Actor. I just didn't, didn't read it that way. Yes. Um, that role in Schindler's List I always found to be is, is one of I think one of the better villains in the history of film, in my opinion. I, I just he's just so detestable, and um, it's kind of an off kilter performance. You know, it's, it's not really as showy as it as some other performances might be, but it's just through layers of him having a cold and being a psychopath there's just some underlying things that are played out by his role there that I just think are just amazingly well done. And that role's, you know, no matter how you feel about that movie, I think that <laughs> role is, is, is a centerpiece of that film. Uh, it, I, the very first one on my list is, uh, is Ray Fiennes should have won for Schindler's list. Really? That's <laughs> yeah, funny how we don't, how we'd only have a couple coordinate. Right, we did not no, coordinate I... at all, right? Uh, but that is uh, that's pretty amazing because I think that's not a <laughs> that's that's a pretty peculiar peculiar choice. I think a lot of people, uh, you know, 
obviously a lot of people really, really love Tommy Lee Jones and really that kind of put him on the map as a mainstream actor. And everybody loves that role. In fact, that role, you know, him in that role was so popular that it inspired a, you know, rather forgettable sequel. But yeah, the only reason there is a sequel, though, I'm sure. Yeah, j- just know. couldn't get enough of that. Um, and <laughs> I totally, 100%, obviously agree with that. I think that Tommy Lee Jones, it, that's a great little uh, uh, supporting role in an action movie, but The Fugitive is really just an action movie, and Tommy Lee Jones is really just kind of playing the Tommy Lee Jones character, right? It feels um, like uh, Tommy Lee Jones is playing a great game of checkers, but the game's chess. And obviously, I, uh, you know what I mean? It's it's on the other hand. Yeah. Uh, Eamon Goeth in in uh, in uh, Schindler's List is, I think, uh, one of the most uh, uh, chilling and nuanced and even humane representations of pure evil. Uh, yeah. Ever put to film. Um because uh, this, uh, I, I mean, this is a person, uh, this is a, he's presented as this deeply, deeply scarred, uh, uh, tr- uh, broken person who is all of a sudden put him, put in this position of absolute, absolute power, godlike power over everything. And all he can do is, not, is, is keep carving his, his own, uh, mental deficiencies, his own sadism into the countryside, right? Um, and you, 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 in a way, strange way, you you feel for this person because he's so broken, and that makes him only the more, all the more terrifying. Um, so I think it's a, it's a, uh, I, I, I think that performance and that that character is just a, a, a brilliant rep- and and totally horrifying representation of. Uh, of evil um yeah and one of the great things about him in that role for me is yeah that's probably the first time i'd seen him in a film yeah yeah definitely yeah um so you know he he's he's so he's so that role that you almost have a little trouble separating from it because that's the first thing you saw him in you know if it was a well-known actor trying to play that role it may not have worked quite as well. Yeah, I, I don't think, and I come back to this again, I, I, I think it would be easy, it would be easy to play that role just as a, uh, a, a kind of a typical uh, Nazi, you know, the, the guy yeah. who is a, a, a bully, an alpha male type who's put in charge of things and just absolutely goes sort of bananas with his powers. Um, and he he just again finds um you know ray finds discovers this uh this twisted humanity in that role that makes him um that that makes it really sort of uh, i i mean genuinely disturbing and nauseating even even as he's doing his is doing his evil um so uh and it's yeah, a role that really awesome. stands up to repeated viewings every time you can you can find one more you can pull one more layer of just how committed he was to the role and, and, and right, right. How much there is in each layer, you know? Yeah. And and I think that I don't want to say you exactly pity, pity him at times, but you, you, you do understand that there is a, 
there is a person under there and there is a person that is in an enormous amount of pain, right? Which yeah. hardly justifies anything. Any no, it's the, not a justification in any way. Right. He's still, you know, but, uh, but, but he's not your typical, he's not your typical psychopath. And, yeah. and that movie would have been fine if they had just presented him as a typical psychopathic, uh, 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 uh Nazi. Um, uh, and, and I mean, speak of a range for Ray Fiennes. I mean, in the same year that he plays this role, he also played uh, uh, Charles Van Doren in uh, Quiz Show. Right? And, <laughs> yeah, and, that's like, such a uh, right, and yeah, <laughs> both ends of the rainbow, <laughs> right? There are two ends of the rainbow, right? <laughs> um, so, uh, so yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Uh, I think uh, uh, Emin Guth is one of the uh, great, uh, great, uh, great delves into the psychological dimensions of evil in uh, in film and uh totally out of the league of, of timely lee jones who just proved well just... i do think though back in the day that there was like a well ray fines will he's gonna be great for a long time he'll probably win his share but you know guess what we're here we are in 2021 and he still hasn't doesn't have an oscar does yeah he? well um i don't know i don't think so i don't think so um yeah, yeah, and also I think that it's hard for uh, you know in that case it was uh, maybe hard to get um, get behind a villain, especially a villain so uh, so carefully drawn. I mean, you really uh, that character and that that movie generally Schindler's List. I mean, you you kind of you really want to get away from as brilliant as it is. I think uh, you know there's uh, and Schindler's List. Let me just say that I mean that's a movie that is. Uh, uh, over the years, uh, faced a lot of backlash. I think at times faced a lot of uh, uh, people accusing it of being at, at times sort of inappropriately schmaltzy and or sentimental in the way that uh, uh, you know uh, that Spielberg uh, uh, tends to do. But uh, Schindler's List is 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 a movie. It's a masterpiece. It's a movie of, of extraordinary power and and uh, uh, one of the most harrowing uh, movies. I, I think almost more like a at times as as times as intense and horrifying as as any sort of any sort of horror movie you know um, yeah i couldn't couldn't agree more it, it even some of the schmaltier stuff that you mentioned i, I think it, I don't know, it, it for me it works it feels earned in that movie yeah i agree with that i agree with that um yeah um even, you know, even if it does, you know, I mean, one of the complaints is often that, you know, Oscar Schindler himself, um, maybe, maybe not as uh, quite as morally complex as they present him in that movie, but it's, it's not about that. I mean, the movie itself can, you know, it's drama, it can present that character, uh, how it likes. And, uh, yeah. I mean, if you start holding things to that standard, man, yeah. any, any adapted, yeah, any screenplay adapted from reality is going to, going to run into some, run into some criticism that way you know? yeah and I, I think it's very especially in a character that as evil as Amon Goth um, uh, it's really hard to sort of and in a lot of cases even even in poor taste to try to drum up sympathy for him but I think that that's a movie that doesn't try to sentimentalize him doesn't try to sort of like make excuses for him but nonetheless does um, does end up creating a a, a certain amount of, of of sympathy for how 
how well, I mean, how, it, it would have been twisted and broken he is. It would have been really easy to uh, skip over some of Schindler's defects that are spotlighted in the movie as well. Yeah, you know? yeah. So and very easy to make uh, the the goth character to be just a one dimensional, uh, uh, you know, uh, Nazi. Yeah, I mean, it's it's if if he's on the page like like um, yeah. like like he ends up being in the movie, that's remarkable. Yeah. So, yeah, so uh, that's strange. It, it, it's strange because I, I I considered that to be a pretty uh, pretty obscure choice. Well, um, I thought it was off the cuff. I thought it was off the off the mainstream a little bit, but uh, yeah, right. That's funny. So yeah, there you go. Uh, that's one of the <laughs> what else you got? <laughs> um, okay. If you have my well, other one. I'm I'm gonna call bullshit because. Uh... <laughs> uh, okay. Well. Um, uh, uh, so okay, here's one you don't have. Here's uh, here's one that's sort of a pet peeve. Um, in approaching this question about you know where Oscar got it wrong, um, I tried to uh, I have tried to avoid uh, best picture uh, choices because. Um, as I told you, I think that um, almost with, with with exceptions that I can count literally on one hand over the, the entire history of the uh, of the Oscars, um, I think hardly ever the uh, the Oscars pick the quote unquote best picture of the year, right? Uh, very few, tra- you know. I mean, like I've said, you know, The Godfather, Moonlight, maybe Casablanca. These are movies that that uh, actually. They they uh, that that were the best movies they picked that year. So I kind of wanted to avoid just sort of getting into you know this wasn't best picture and this wasn't best picture because there's just so many. Well, you know, like I like I said the other night, it's worded best picture, but they treat it like it's movie of the year, right? I mean, it's just yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, you're right. There's just they pick one to celebrate, and that's (laughs) for for some reason. Yeah, most years it can be argued by at least somebody that it's not the best picture. Um, that said, I am going to go with a bit of a peculiar case, a particular ax that I have to grind that does have to do with, uh, with best picture. Um, and it, uh, it has to do it, it. And again, it's, it's maybe even uh, going a little bit further than the, uh, uh, than the spirit of, of this topic, because it's not about a win, but it's about a nomination. Um, I think uh, I think uh, the nomination of uh, of Vice in uh, in uh, the 2018 movie Vice for best <laughs> for best picture. Um, now, granted, we live in an era where you uh, you know you, you've expanded the best picture nominees and everything. Um, nonetheless, uh, I think the 2018 movie Vice, starring uh, Christian Bale as uh, uh, as uh, Dick Cheney, right, and uh, in sort of the uh, representation of uh, of Dick Cheney's sort of behind the scenes sort of political machinations and whatnot, and you have a whole bunch of other uh, uh, you have a whole bunch of other celebrities sort of doing their impressions of people in the uh, Bush administration and so on. You have Steve Carell as I don't know whoever, right? Um, I think. <laughs> I think Vice is uh, the worst movie that I've ever seen that has been nominated for Best Picture. I thought Vice was an absolutely excruciating experience um, uh, from beginning to end. Um, Vice to me was like a, uh, it was like a Saturday Night Live skit where 
you know, they have five minutes to kill and they found out that their special guest that night, um, you, know, you know, the special guest that week uh, does a really good impression of some, you know, uh, of some, some other celebrity like, uh, 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 you know, like Dick Cheney. You know, they find out that, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, Christian Bale is the guest that week on SNL and they find out he does a pretty good Dick Cheney uh, impression. So they're going to do a five minute uh, uh, skit just sort of highlighting how funny it is that he does this impression, right? And uh, it's funny for a few minutes, and then an SNL tradition, because they have more time to kill, maybe it goes on a little long, and then it goes on a little long, and then finally it's over, and you get to cut to a commercial break. And that's behind you. Now imagine that scenario um, puffed up to two hours long. Um, it, the whole movie just felt like an SNL skit that instead of being too long at five minutes was apocalyptic at, at two hours long. I didn't find any moment of this movie inspired or funny or have any reason to exist. Um, it was one of the least uh, one of the least entertaining movies I've ever seen. Every everything about it, would, I mean, it was just like it was like bad improv. It was like except bad improv again only lasts a few minutes instead of just going on and on and on for two hours <laughs> desperately searching for some reason for some reason to make us sort of you know giggle or titter and uh it, it just it was it was an absolute train wreck i you know for for literal literally political reasons because you know it was taking shots at uh at at at, at the bush administration um, this movie bought some, you know, apparently, had, uh, you know, got some political cachet. Um, and so I guess sort of coasted it on that because we're sticking it to the, to the right wingers. But um, it, I think uh, Vice is an absolutely excretable movie. Um, that, uh, just absolute torture. It's one of those movies where halfway through it, I sort of very soon I, I, I guessed what I was in for. And, you know, I paid my money to see it in a theater. So after, you know, I have this conversation with myself at the 20 minute mark and the 30 minute mark and the 40 minute mark, <laughs> knowing there's like still a full, you know, hour to go. And I was like, you know, it's a beautiful day outside. It was like a nice, uh, you know, seasonable, unseasonably warm, like December day. Should I go out and do something with, with my time? And, you know, no, I stuck with it. Um, and at the end of it, I was like, I made the wrong choice. I should have left. I should have just skipped out, right? Um, yeah, but what, what are the odds you'd have skipped out and gone to the park and fed the ducks? You probably would have just gone home. I, I would have gone home and I would have wasted time on the internet or read a book. <laughs> Anything would have been better than just out of stubbornness, you know, pretending I, I'm, I'm getting my, you know, $8 worth. Because at that, uh, the truth of the matter is, uh, halfway through that movie, I would have paid, I would have paid eight dollars to get out of there. Right? Oh, that's uh, such a bad feeling. Yeah, right. And, and I've actually, again, I've actually never seen Vice. Um, I know some people hold, you know, Christian Bale's performance in pretty high regard. Um, well, his performance is, it's a great impression, and it's a funny impression for thirty seconds. You know, you're like, wow. He, that's really good. I wouldn't have expected that from him. But you can't build a two-hour movie around that. I guess you can, <laughs> right? And you can even get an Oscar nomination. But it's just, I, I find it hard to believe that anybody who actually watched that movie 
voted for it to be one of the best, you know, one of the top movies of the year. Um, I, that was maybe a tough year to come up with a bunch because uh, it, it may just have kind of, you know, if you got to put 10 on your ballot or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember it being sort of a, I'm not going to, I'm not going to Google this right off the top of my head, but I remember it being a, a pretty weak year for movies, but nonetheless, it still wasn't that weak. And, and there's no, I mean, th- there's no law that says the Academy has to nominate, you know, eight to 10 movies. They can just, they could nominate five. Yeah, they, they right? don't have to. You're right. Right. But so uh, there was just no, aside from sort of giving a, giving the finger to the sort of political establishment. Uh, there was there's really no reason for that movie to a exist or b to to have been acknowledged or remembered by anybody um i hate that movie um i hate 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 that movie and like i said it's by far it's the worst nominated movie that i've ever seen so best picture nominated movie i've ever seen so um yeah uh oscar got it wrong that time yeah that's one of the reasons why i haven't haven't watched it i mean i've heard you you know talk about that against that one before so yeah well hey if you're ever curious about it you can you know watch it in in, you know five minute intervals and maybe it will not be quite so uh, (laughs) quite so terrible but it's definitely a movie where i'm sitting there uh you know i can't look forward you know i'm looking forward to my bathroom breaks right i'm like should i go get more popcorn (laughs) <laughs> i need a break from this movie so yeah that's i hate when when, when it comes yeah. to that and that's from adam McKay, adam mckay who's not necessarily a bad director uh you know i i kind of like the big short he did that um, yeah yeah um so he's he's not he's not talentless but uh boy that was a aimless <laughs> the problem totally with my problem with the movie. big short is uh I'm not uh, real good with the financials, so there were times when I was a little bit lost in the Big Short. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. As much as it pains me to say that. Yeah. All right, for my next one, I'm going. Uh, <laughs> I'm going with original song and the original song Oscar. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> this is you know if, if there's anything that's more more personal than taste in films, it's taste in music. So. This is going to be kind of a personal taste one for me, but uh, I'm going to go back to 1984 to the Oscar for Best Original Song. And uh, the nominees were Ghostbusters by Ray Barker Jr. (laughs) Uh, Two songs from Footloose, the theme from Footloose by Kenny Loggins and Let's Hear It for the Boy by Denise Williams. Right. And uh, Against All Odds by Phil Collins from Against All Odds. And the winner that year was I Just Called to Say I Love You by Stevie Wonder from the film that everybody remembers, The Woman in Red. Um, <laughs> With Gene Wilder? Was that the... Yes. And <laughs> I absolutely hate that song. I just called. I've always hated it. And uh, to me, if you are to ask me what my opinion was on, you know, just who I would give it to out of that uh-huh. list, it, it'd definitely yeah. be probably Against All Odds by Phil Collins. I think that's a pretty timeless song that uh yeah yeah yeah. right that seems to be the uh, an oscar type type song too um but Uh for some reason you know maybe the thought of giving stevie wonder an oscar was very appealing at that time right Um, Right. and he had a big album out don't get me wrong he had some some big hits in the 80s but uh 
Man, I hated that song. <laughs> so it's like the Oscars gave it to a dreadful song in my book. So it's kind of hard to forgive. That was definitely an era where uh, the only place to really hear music was on FM radio. And and when they fell in love with songs like that or, you know, yes, those songs were being heavily promoted by the people who give them their music. Boy, those songs were just on the radio like every forty-five minutes. You know, of course, like that's an era. Yeah, that's an era where I'm probably trying to record some music off the radio at times. <laughs> yes, and I'm, wa- and I'm waiting for something to box. come on. I'm waiting for something to come on. <laughs> Wait through a commercial break, ready to hit right. record, and it's freaking. I just call to say I love you by Stevie Wonder, and you're like, oh man. <laughs> was that the? Was '84 the year of Purple Rain? '84. Um, was the year of purple rain how could that not have been uh i mean maybe those songs were written directly for uh for the movie and maybe that 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 was the problem Hmm, Um, that's 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 an interesting uh thing to look up uh yeah but 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 it seems like when doves cry would be the a better song than any of those yeah i mean i don't know if that 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 uh record is was considered as much of a classic as it is now but yeah. uh yeah it um yeah there must be some technicality yeah. there because uh, right, right, i right. think at least one of them would have gone and there out. there are plenty of technicalities they used to uh absolutely absolutely yeah, right. but i miss that era of you know every big movie having a soundtrack with some you know i, mean, I don't know that every movie's got to do it but uh yeah that used to be such a thing to have some some you know songs that you'd hear on the radio on every soundtrack yeah yeah um, yeah that was a huge way especially in the 19, 1980s of, of uh, promoting your movie and into um, the 90s um as yeah, well um, yeah a lot of times the big song from a movie would play instead of in the movie it might be over the closing credits or something yeah but uh that's all but gone you know by the wayside well i i, I mean it's certainly a movie like uh like footloose um i i mean the a huge part of the this the uh the promotion and success of that movie had to do with its its uh it's aggressively promoted pretty good you know so you know a lot of the songs from that uh for you know were were, uh were not only aggressively aggressively promoted but very very popular went you know charted a lot Um, oh yeah and so uh, that was a huge part uh you know that's just one example of uh of of soundtracks being a huge part of the the promotional material in that that era um yeah yeah so (laughs) but but you know a stevie wonder saw i don't know it's just it's stevie wonder though i mean (laughs) that's a weird thing to be furious (laughs) (laughs) i hate that song jason but yeah we 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 definitely don't see the the film soundtrack i mean i probably something like um uh, a star is born kind of had a soundtrack that was big you know not just with you know a few of the songs you know uh-huh. it, it was kind of a you know had a life of its own beyond the film yeah well i, I mean what you get now and especially since the 90s is you get a uh, you know you get a, a movie that has a a song maybe two that chart but uh nothing like the you know in the 80s when you have uh you know movies like purple rain or, or like footloose where like you got three or four songs that are on the uh you know in the top 10 you know um and you can't help but uh you know i mean that, that's going to bring a lot of attention to your movie you know yeah i wonder if something like so. purple rain where they, they just kind of thought like 
instead of like <laughs> the, the 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 album backing up the movie, the movie backed up the album. You know, maybe that was kind of like technically that's the way it happened. You know? Yeah. Well, yeah, and and, and <laughs> I think maybe that was yeah that was the intention. You know. Uh, so uh, yeah, the the movie is more like a life support system for the album. You know. Um, so. Uh, yeah, I, I got one more. If you uh, yeah, let's let's do let's it. do one more since I since I stole one from you. Uh, yeah, right, right, exactly, thief. Uh, <laughs> so uh, this one's a little more technical, but uh, looking back on it, it's 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 really sort of mind-boggling. Um, so I mean, you have a few famous cases where. Oh, I know uh, we're going to talk about the 1967 art direction. No, I'm just kidding. No, no. <laughs> uh, you know, you have a few uh, sort of famous cases of. Uh, um, you know, of a movie, especially when Scorsese is involved, you have a movie where, you know, Scorsese makes a movie that, uh, uh, that's sort of timeless and everybody uh, recognizes as kind of an instant classic, like Goodfellas or Raging Bull. And it's sort of, uh, you know, his, it's sort of stole, best director is kind of stolen away from him, uh, you know, by Robert Redford and ordinary people, you know, this sort of very, uh, you know, touching, but it's pretty kind of schmaltzy uh, 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 human or family drama that really didn't require much directing exactly, you know. Um, and then later on with Goodfellas, he's beaten by uh, Kevin Costner doing uh, 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 Dances with Wolves. A little more forgivable because Dances with Wolves was this huge epic and maybe did require some, uh, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of directing, you know. Yeah, I think that's um, a fair argument to be made there at times. Right, but but I think the worst case of this uh, uh, of this this kind of trend in the seventies and eighties of of ignoring sort of a, a, a an auteur who really really directed a great time uh, uh, memorable movie um, in favor of uh, just handing it to to some sort of. Uh, uh, forgettable family drama is uh robert benton um winning best director in 1979 uh for kramer versus kramer beating francis ford coppola for apocalypse now (laughs) (laughs) um and i mean you just shake your damn head right who watches kramer versus kramer and thinks wow uh what uh what an auteurist vision what a vision of 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 a director right for all the things that you might say good about kramer versus kramer uh you don't leave that thinking wow that somebody directed the hell out of that movie right <laughs> um, or or this lesser director just squeezed performance out of these marginal actors <laughs> right yeah right exactly or, or like yeah that yeah some director managed to really uh take these uh unknown actors and really uh, uh, get great performances out of them. No, we're talking about uh, Dennis. Uh, uh, we're talking about Meryl Streep, right? And Dustin. Yeah, Hoffman. you're talking about right? these are not uh, these are not Hall of Fame who, first ballot Hall of Fame actors, right? These are not actors who need uh, uh, you know somebody named Robert Benton standing there, uh, uh, you know, telling them how to act, right? Uh, on the other hand, you have Francis Ford Coppola, who's. Uh, uh, whose direction of not just direction of whose uh you know creative birth creative sort of uh self 
creation of of uh, apocalypse now is the thing of legends i mean apocalypse now is one of the most uh famously one of the most troubled uh uh, uh productions ever um uh francis ford coppola is at the end of his rope at various points in that he's he's way up the river like the protagonist in his movie um his main character has a heart attack he's way over a budget he has monsoons wiping out his uh uh, his, his sets, and uh, somehow he brings this this movie that is uh, um, in its way not a perfect movie, but nonetheless a masterpiece. Um, well, and, 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 and in a perfect the most... world, there's a million things going on in this movie without the distraction, without the problems. You know, yeah, it would have been hard to direct under any situ- on any circumstances. Right, but um, he puts together a movie that. Um, I mean, you know, I throw the word timeless around, but really is timeless. I mean, this is a movie that, that genera- you know, we are talking about two generations later, and they're still going to be talking about generations from now, for again, for all its flaws. Well, anything in pop and, culture that you can, you know, I, I, sm- I love the smell of napalm in the morning. Anything on that level in pop culture is yeah, well, that's well, iconic status. I mean, that's as big as, the, as it gets. And the reason... I, I would say almost not uh, not entirely, but almost the only reason to, that this movie is um, did come off as well as it was and is this sort of timeless masterpiece is because of the the unrelenting, almost almost psychotic vision vision of creative vision of uh, of Francis Ford Coppola who. Um, is would absolutely under no circumstances give up on this this uh, on this project and let anybody else give up on this project. And if that's not, I mean, if that's not directing, if that's not the greatest kind of directing, um, uh, then wh- what is the award for exactly? Right? I mean, yeah, I think that's that's a good point. Not All only. The things- is- and he presents this. I mean, it's 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 easily one of the most beautifully photographed films uh, ever made. It's um, this weird combination of uh, of scripted and sort of improvised, uh, uh, not just dialogue and not just scenes, but they're kind of making this up as the. In a lot of ways, this movie is kind of made up as it goes along, and and has to be because of all the catastrophes going on, and. Coppola manages to bring in a movie that that is is, I mean, one for the ages, you know. Um, so the 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 idea the idea that that you know not only is he going to be beaten, but he's going to be beaten by Robert Benton's sort of uh, uh, you know very middling middle brow uh, 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 human you know family drama is just a. A laughable disgrace. Well, that comes back to our early discussion. Unfortunately, a lot of times, uh, the Oscar race is just to become about momentum. And, and since Kramer versus Kramer had all that momentum with the actors, you know, in the actor categories and the picture category, yeah, it just took took it right along with it without probably enough thought given to it. You know? Right. And on the other hand, Apocalypse Now came out. Obviously, it was delayed again and again. And it had become kind of a joke by the time it did come out. Like every its reputation preceded it that it was just going to be this giant disaster, right? And I think people had not had uh, were relying 
I assume people at that point were relying uh, had not quite got a chance to see it and were relying more on its reputation uh, than its uh, than its actual quality. Um, certainly, certainly a possibility. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah. Um, and if uh, I don't know, have you ever seen uh, uh, Hearts of Darkness, the uh, the documentary about the making of uh, Apocalypse Now? I have not, but I'm familiar um, with it, familiar with what you're talking uh, about. Yeah, that would be uh, that would be if you ever have a you know afternoon to yourself, that would be a great double feature. Uh, watching Apocalypse Now. I, I suggest not the uh, don't don't do the four hour uh, director's cut. Do the theatrical version because uh, the director's cut doesn't really improve. But uh, definitely Hearts of Darkness is a, a brilliant documentary. It's an actual footage, uh, you know, the documentary being shot at the time on on the set of the, the making of the movie. And it just, uh, you know, walks through all of the uh, the problems that went wrong and walks through uh, 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 Coppola's reactions to it. And as stressed out as he is, he never ever once considers uh, giving up on any of it um, and just is willing to, to do whatever it takes to, uh, to bring this in. Um, and uh, yeah, I'll have to check that out. Yeah. I like that type of movie. Uh, similar movies in the past I've quite enjoyed. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, I, I think one of the most ingenious, certainly one of the most beautifully photographed films ever made. And, and I think one of the most ingeniously directed in terms of the director being the dictator who's directed in the creative vision behind everything. Uh, I mean, Coppola's influence in that movie is second to none. So the idea that, uh, yeah, yeah, they're going to go with a safe family drama. And by the way, just as a footnote, uh, you know, while I'm, I'm pumping up apocalypse now, I don't know the last time you saw Kramer versus Kramer, but uh, that's a movie that is really not aged well. Um, it's a movie that's with, uh, um, I mean, it's got some, it's got some really good performances, but it's uh, it's sexual politics are, are have really uh, are really dated and not aged well. And uh, I um, kind of suspect that I, it's been a long time since I've, I've seen it, and I think I, that doesn't surprise me one bit. Um, in, incredibly unkind to the uh, uh, to Meryl Streep's character. And uh, uh, has this attitude that uh, Dustin Hoffman, uh, you know, character deserves deserves, I guess, some sort of medal uh, because he's going to take because he's going to figure out what kind of breakfast cereal his son likes and actually, you know, and actually, wow, have to take care of his son, right? In a way that normally the girl would do, you know. Uh, so it's a movie that that sort of uh, feels like it's. Uh, it's speaking to contemporary issues and, and having sympathy for the sort of modern mixed and broken family, but uh, is, uh, uh, has, is much, much more retrograde in its uh, attitude. Towards well, I mean, we live in the era of yeah, almost every family's two income now. And uh, right. It's just different world in a yeah. lot of ways. Yeah. But this movie is, is really not shy about bl- about blaming uh, uh, the, the the wife for being flaky and, and for all the problems here, you know, um, and, and kind of deifying the father just because he's, uh, you know, fulfilling the basic requirements of being a father, you know. Yeah, but I mean, it, it does show you how, you know, things like that weren't viewed as unusual back then. So, right. I mean, yeah, right. It, it's 
I guess it's somewhat useful in that, you know, when you want to know how far we've actually come. It's, it's absolutely certainly a, a great uh, a great snapshot of a time, you know, of a movie that thinks it's having sort of a progressive kind of liberal attitude towards things, <laughs> Right. But is really coming off as, as uh, you know, uh, really backwards. Um, so... All right. Well, I guess that's going to probably do it. Um, okay. Remember, the Oscars are Sunday night, so you can tune in and find out. Uh, well, tune in at least in some some level and find out what 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 happens for for real. And uh, okay, do we want to give out our social media stuff before we go. You know, we really should. We we we're really slacking on this. Uh, you can uh, you can look us up. We are on uh, we're on Twitter. Uh, tweet at me at uh, at uh, uh, cinema. You know, at cinema spin. Um, come this uh, Sunday night, I am planning on uh, on you know be on, on kind of live tweeting uh, during the ceremony. Uh, so if you enjoy my witticisms or are interested in uh, in talking to me about it, um, you know, and kind of going back and forth during the conversation, absolutely that would be wonderful. Um, if you want to email us, we are uh, uh, Cinema Spin Podcast at Yahoo. Um, set, you can send any suggestions or any fan mail or any criticisms uh, there. Comments you'd uh, like to have read on the uh, show, anything. Comments you would like to have read on the show, exactly. So, um, yeah, um, anything like that. We are also on fa- uh, we're also on Facebook. Uh, you can look us up uh, as Cinemasmen on Facebook. Uh, leave comments for us. Um, so. Um, yeah, uh, look us up. Also, uh, something we don't say enough, but uh, if you like our show, if you like, uh, you know, if you if you uh, uh, like listening to uh, to our episodes, um, do what you can to uh, to rate us, uh, to leave comments uh, on uh, on Spotify or uh, on uh, where's the other one? Um, Whatever the app allows you, you know, the, some apps allow you to leave feedback. Some do not. Yeah. So if, uh, if the app allowed that you, you like allows for it, please do. That, that so helps us. If you could leave a review or even a rating, uh, you know, obviously a, a podcast at this level lives or dies by that. It'll help a lot of people um, sort of, uh, uh, you know, catch on and, um, and, uh, and find us and show some interest in us. So um, yeah. So uh, thanks to all of our listeners, the, few fans we have at this point but hey let's grow the fan base get the word yeah, out we appreciate it and um again we've got the episode coming this week uh, which will feature <laughs> the uh mortal rebranded kombat. mortal kombat and right. uh a bridge too far from 1977 i think right so a randomizer uh, movie so uh, looking forward to that and we'll yes. bring that to you uh yep. on the weekend sometime. and also if you have uh on our behalf if you have any sorts of uh prayers or uh sacrifices or any sort of uh haikus or poems that you might want to write about uh about the randomizer um in praise of it to try to uh uh to try to affect it in, in getting us uh, uh favorable movies chosen um or at least please, get it to please. go in the direction you might want it to go right wherever, i, I mean know. i don't want i don't want to promote a uh, a sort of randomizer based religion or cult we're not prepared to sort of fill out the paperwork for tax exec stamp it status for uh uh to start a religion along those lines but uh, you know you're, you're kind of a randomizer apologist where i see it as more of an evil entity but uh, uh, uh 
I, the truth I, will be in the pudding over time. I, I think we have to, uh, uh, yeah, um, I, I don't want you to, I'm not comfortable with you calling it evil. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's not, uh, it, I think ultimately it's benevolent. And if we don't think it's benevolent, we just don't understand the mind of the randomizer. Right. Well, that's quite possible. Right. So. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in. Uh, We'll see you next time. Goodbye for now. Goodbye, everybody.